it was an entertaining game for the, between the Bruins and Penguins. They always seem to have those high-scoring games, Bridget and Scott. Um, but it's been a lot of hockey over the last week or so. Uh, let's jump into our opening shifts between the Penguins-Bruins and just the week prior and looking forward. Yeah, I mean, I was telling Bridget in the press box as the Bruins were coming back and eventually tied it after being down 5-2. The last time the Bruins had a three-goal comeback and won was last last year in November in that crazy game in Pittsburgh. And it was the same thing. They were down 5-2 and ended up winning 6-5. Of course, this one they ended up losing 6-5. But uh, my, my opening shift is related to that game Thursday, and it's just a – the disappointment of the Bruins defense falling apart after really seeming to to have turned a corner during the four game winning streak, they had allowed just seven goals total during that four game winning streak, which, you know, was a significant improvement over the way they were playing before Christmas break when they lost four in a row. Um, And then they give up four in the first period alone on Thursday, another one early in the second and they're down five, two, and they're just, they just they're mistakes that the Bruins don't make when they're playing their best, but have cropped up a few times now. And it's it's losing races and battles at the net front. Um, a couple of those goals were situations where Pittsburgh ended up with a, a two on one or a three on two down low and just had the Bruins outnumbered at their own net front. Um, you know, Montgomery talked about that after the game. A couple of careless turnovers that led, led to odd man rushes. Uh, you know, even as the, like, even late in the game, it's, you know, they turn over and there's an odd man rush going the other way that leads to uh, a McAvoy hooking penalty that then sets up the Sidney Crosby power play goal for the winner. So really sloppy effort. Um, I think, you know, the Bruins sort of spun as a positive after saying like, Hey, at least, you know, we had the resiliency to, to fight back and we never gave up and that is encouraging, but, um, what led to them being in that hole in the first place was j- just a disappointing uh, step back after, you know, a, a much better stretch from them before that. Yeah. And Charlie Coyle, though, actually, when I talked to Charlie, he wasn't giving them any excuses, but we can get into that after because um, my opening shift is not really about Thursday's game, but it's about what we might see Saturday and what's coming Uh, Down the pipeline with Patra back, uh, Canada out of the World Juniors early, and Patra back with the team. So he didn't play Thursday, even though he was in town. Uh, Chances are he plays Saturday or at at least um, gets his first game when they head out on their road trip. I'm hoping for Saturday. And I'm my, you know, my main take is that we've gotten hints that he's going to come back and play wing instead of center. And I personally, when he left, thought it was a bad idea. I still, I've the entire time been maybe in the minority on this, um, that it wasn't the right move. And I felt like he was going to lose his spot. And if he goes to the wing, then he, you know, Morgan Geeky has done a great job. And, but you know what? They've also moved Zaka to the wing. It's, they, they've completely shuffled things around. And in the time that he was away, he may have lost the job that he wanted, which would have been playing center on the the second or the third line. So um, I'm interested to see what happens Saturday. And I kind of, I don't know. I have, I have a bad feeling about what might come if he doesn't play well in the first two or three games back. 
Yeah, and everybody talks about his maturity as a player, and we'll see. We'll see if that comes to fruition. I mean, I think there's a lot to be. Um, there's a lot of people who are arguing whether or not World Juniors was a good thing for Pacha or not. End of the day, um, we won't really know until we see him come back. I mean, if he comes back and I don't think we'll ever know if he comes back and plays lights out. I don't think we can say for sure it's because he went to World Juniors and came back motivated. And if he comes back and plays uh, lethargic, I don't think we can necessarily say it's because he went to World Juniors. So it's kind of a silly conversation, I think, or, or debate. I think the only thing that matters is what you're saying, Bridget, which is you know how he how he does in general coming back and, and where that is. Um, so for me, I'm also going to kind of look big picture here. We're approaching the All-Star break, and the, the Bruins, as recent as like, I think maybe yesterday were uh, first in the NHL uh, with a loss. They've, they've slid down to fourth in the NHL. Um, the top five teams in the league are all within five, six teams are all within, you know, three points of each other. So it's going to be one of those types of leapfrogging things um, for a while here. So in the standings, they're great. Um, they're tied for fourth in the league and goals against as a team. They're tied for 12th in the league uh, goals for, um, Plus minus is probably some, they're probably somewhere in the top 10 as well. So the team is like, they're, they're, they are objectively a very good hockey team. There is no question about it. For me, watching this team so intimately and knowing just like how, where they can be vulnerable and where they need to improve going forward, I look at a few different areas. And I think the game against the Penguins kind of um, put a magnifying glass on a few of them. Number one, while they are fourth in the league, tied for fourth in goals against, um, I still think that their defense. I just, I just mean myself. I think their defense needs to be, uh, they need to be tougher to play against, certainly in front of the net. And I look at that, that game against the Penguins, and not once but twice, Matt Grizzlick just gets, you know, out muscled or out positioned, however you want to, you know, phrase it, in front of the net leads to a goal. Scott mentioned uh, the defense against the Penguins, like Lindholm, just on that third Penguins goal, just like, what are you doing? Just mental. It's a combination of mental errors and and a lack of, I think, physicality. Um, and I think, and I think I look at Lindholm and I look at McAvoy and Grizzlick as players that like we expect like so much better. Certainly from Lindholm and McAvoy, and they have to be not just the best defenseman for the Bruins, but top defenseman in the NHL if they want this team to go where they want to go. And I think they need to be better. Um, we all know the Bruins probably miss, a, they're missing a top six forward, probably. Um, could that be Patra? Maybe. Um, but I also think there's an identity issue on the Bruins' fourth line. I don't think this team can go anywhere when your fourth line literally is not producing any offense and is not a stalwart defensive unit and they're not creating chaos. Steen and Loco and Beecher or whomever is not really getting it done. and in recent games with Merkulov, like Montgomery's not even using his fourth line. So I see that as a problem long-term. You cannot go through two months of potential playoff hockey without a fourth line identity. Um, so I look at the fourth line. I look at the defense you need to be tougher and maybe, a you know, an additional forward. But as we finish the first half of the season, that's kind of where my mind is at with this team. I can't get by the fact that you just said stalwart. And I hate that word. That is a gross did word. I even, did I even say it right? Is it stall? Yeah, stalwart. I I didn't know that was a, a word Bridget hated. I'm gonna have to start <laughs> using it more. It's <laughs> the word wart in it. Come on, guys. It's not, it's <laughs> I, I not a great word. 
I don't even know if I use it properly, but hey, that's- Oh, that's, you'll never catch me on the broadcast no, saying I, I, stalwart. I think it until I make it. If somebody says something, then maybe I'll, I'll admit I don't know what I'm talking about. But mm-hmm. anywho, yeah, so that's my opening shift. A little bit long-winded, but- Which which Bruins the most stalwart-esque? <laughs> I mean, <laughs> d- defensively, maybe Brandon Carlo. Oh, yeah, maybe Carlo, he's, yeah. He's a defensive stalwart. Oh, yeah, God, be. I shouldn't have said anything. <laughs> should be. Should be, but yeah, look, I, I, um, I'm trying to be mindful with this opening shift. Like I'm not, I, the reason I said what I said in the beginning, like I recognize where they are in the standings and, and, and where they are, you know, team metrics, like they are objectively a good team, but I, I just think that there are certain areas that they, they have to improve if they want to, you know, win a championship. Right. That's, that's what their goal is. Yeah. Well, so I'll tie two of your, you guys' opening shifts together a little bit with, you know, Potra coming back, one thing that can do is lengthen the Bruins lineup. Um, you know, where exactly he slots in is one conversation. How the pieces, how other pieces move around is another part of this. And part of that is that someone who has actually been producing some offense might drop down to that fourth line, whether that's Danton Heinen, who we saw slide down there recently um, when Georgie Merkulov first came up, or maybe even Trent Frederick is, you know, especially if they want to keep Frederick at center. Like I don't think Johnny Beach has done a bad job at all as fourth line center, but could he bump over to the wing to make room for Frederick to, to center that line? Like it's an option. I, I think there's going to be, there, there's going to be a, a process of the Bruins working this out and probably trying a few different things, um, which could include Potter on the wing, but yeah, Brian, you're right. Like they do have to find a way to get some offense from the fourth line. It, it doesn't have to, you know, no one expects it to be a go-to offensive line every night, but it can't just be zeros night after night after night for like literally a month on end. When when I wrote about I wrote about the fourth line a little bit, I think right before Christmas. And at that point, Lauko, Beecher, and Steen had combined for one point in the month of December in like over three weeks. Um, you know, Jake, like, I think when it was Lauko Beatrice Steen, at least, you know, you could see an identity there of like speed for checking some physicality and they weren't giving up a lot defensively. Like they were doing the job of not allowing much, but they, they just weren't producing anything offensively. Like Lauko has played 27 games this year, still has not scored a goal three points. Oscar Steen has one point in 22 games. Um, Beecher, I didn't look up how long this has gone back, but I know he's had a, he has six points on the season, but a very quiet stretch recently. I mean, one point for him since November 30th. So yeah, like there's gotta be something you like, you can't, you can't have that. You can't have guys going a month without getting a single point. Yeah. And, Lauka was scratched yesterday. I saw him up on the ninth floor. Um, and to to go back to like kind of combining me and Brian's first shifts, if Potcher comes back and you slot him on the third line back at center, um, that would just that would bring you back to a line you saw before, which would be JVR, Potcher, Frederick, and that would bump Heinen back to the fourth line. I don't want to see I don't want to see Frederick drop back to the fourth line. I know you're like 
the idea being like maybe you get scoring from every single line now at that point. Um, but I just feel like Frederick has done so much and he's somebody that we've seen do really well over the past few weeks. Um, like it feels like a demotion for him to go down to the fourth line. Um, I know that in the past spreading out your talent, like back when Taylor Hall was on the team and they had him on the third line, like sometimes you move guys lower in the lineup than really they should be to try to spark the scoring and, you know, on all four lines. But Frederick has just been playing so well that I don't want to see him get pushed maybe to a line that slows down his progress and slows down his production. Um, and I, I don't like the idea of putting Potter at wing. We didn't see him do that. And I, I don't know if you guys remember, this is a contradictory thing to what management had said before. So coming out of training camp, pe- people asked um, Bruins management, would he ever play wing? And they were like, we don't really want to play him there. He's a center. You know, we, we want to keep him there at his natural position. And then when he went to World Juniors, they said when he comes back, he still has his job and he doesn't have to worry about losing his job. And then he obviously still coming back to the Bruins, but he did kind of lose his job. And well, if he moves to the to, wing. To be fair, they said specifically he'll he's coming back to the team. They actually said he'll have to earn his spot. Like that is true. They did say that. But like, but then but then that means he lost it, like because he left. I there's I to me that there's just something that's contradictory about. Uh, the statements that have been said about him this year. And that makes me very weary that if he doesn't come back and have a good first week or, uh, or two, maybe he does go back to juniors. Maybe they send him. I, I, I don't like the idea at all. Um, I think he should have been in Boston this whole time. And I know he has to earn it. Everybody does, but I felt like he's maybe just not been told by management exactly the truth and what, they're planning to do with him 